Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. Well, welcome in for another rousing weekly episode here at Peace, Love, and Baseball. Hey, I hope you had the loveliest of Thanksgiving weeks, and I hope that you have had a safe and healthy holidays so far. Me? Oh man, I was not so lucky. So after nearly three years, despite my best efforts and hopes that, well, maybe I am, in fact, a supervillain, aided by science, of course, it turns out that I am, to no surprise but my own, actually, in indeed, a human being. Yes, the true villain of our time reared her ugly infectiousness in my direction. The COVID, she got me. She got me real good. I know everyone has their story with the Rona at this point, but yeah, I mean, for the first year and a half of the pandemic, including the whole year before the vaccine was readily available, I was working not only in person every day, and by every day I mean like literally six, sometimes seven days a week, but I was in person in groups of people who were breathing heavily while they were all together on a daily basis. So in Chicago, we had more restrictions here than a lot of other places did, especially for a lot longer, you know, being one of the most populated places in the country. So we were socially distant. We wore masks for a lot of the time. Yes, even during our cardio workouts. So I was on a rowing machine, like rowing, actively rowing and talking nonstop for 45 minutes straight in a mask for months on end. But even through all of that, I stayed very healthy. I started working at home in early November of last year, so just over a year ago, and I've continued to avoid it. Even after being directly exposed multiple times from friends and family before they were symptomatic, before they knew that they had it. So, I mean, I guess I, I did have reason enough to think like, hey, maybe it's me, you know? But alas, my husband was exposed to the biggest threat to all of us this cold and flu season. Yeah, elementary school children. And that became the demise of us both. So my husband, Dan, he got really sick really fast. I had light symptoms like a sore throat and congestion for days. And I was testing negative like multiple days in a row. Still tested negative, did not test positive until the night that I actually started running a fever, which was a full four days after him. Now, at this point, I really hope most of us can talk about this without politicizing it or what have you. So I'm simply going to share my experience and my thoughts because, quite frankly, that's all I've got. (laughs) And you can take it for what you will. But my husband, Dan, and I are both in our early to mid-30s. We are very healthy We very rarely get sick as it is. We do not have any pre-existing conditions. We exercise very regularly. We pay attention to what we eat, all that good stuff. So we both had a COVID booster in December of 2021, the booster shot. I recently got another COVID booster a few weeks ago because it was made available to me uh, by my employer at work. It was very convenient, awesome. Uh, So his last one was in December of 2021, and and mine was just a few weeks ago. So we both ran a fever. We both had, you know, the chills, the body aches that go along with the fever. We both had severe sinus congestion, fatigue, all that good stuff. But my husband ran a higher fever for four full days. He also, like, lost his appetite and had some nausea. He didn't eat solid food for almost four full days. And his congestion ultimately moved to his chest, and he still has a little cough that he's working through. So I had a fever for about 30 hours total. No loss of appetite, lucky me. And my congestion is nearly gone. It never moved to my chest. So I don't know, maybe it's because I am 
three years younger than him. It's just my youth and beauty that I bounced back a little quicker. But considering how similar our symptoms were and that we, you know, we clearly had the same variant and all that good stuff, I really do think the reason that I got better significantly quicker was because of my recent booster shot. Definitely a good chance that that was it, right? The biggest thing that I will say after our experience with it is that we were really sick. This was probably the sickest that either of us have been as adults. And we are so fortunate that we are healthy otherwise, because ultimately we were able to recover from it. But it just really put into perspective once again, as it's really out of the news day to day at this point, it really put back in perspective the severity of it for more vulnerable people to catch the virus still. So we have to live our lives and ultimately we have to make the decisions that are right for us and our loved ones. That's the best we can do, right? We're all doing the best we can. But we both tested positive for at least a full week. So we were carrying the virus even when we started to feel better. Now, in our case, we were not feeling near well enough to attend any family gatherings last week anyway. But even if we had, Corona was still alive within us and ready to strike whoever she can next. So just be aware. The thing that is so weird about this is that it is just so unpredictable and there's still so much that is so unknown. And all I know is that if I could avoid getting sick, period, regardless of what it's with, if I could help my loved ones avoid getting sick, regardless of if it's this virus or that virus or whatever, I would do whatever I could in my power to avoid that. And that meant that I had to stay home for Thanksgiving. I didn't get to see all my aunts and uncles and a lot of my cousins, some of which I haven't seen for years at this point. But I did eat frozen pizza and watch Christmas movies and find all the best ways to take care of Dan and I. And ultimately, we got through it. You know, we suffered through our illness and I'm here speaking to you on the other side of it. So that's where we're going to start today. It is the most contagious time of the year for just about everything. And while you are surely overhearing your mom and the CDC tell you all the best ways to stay healthy, ah, K-Bird tweets here, I'm going to tell you how to pamper yourself when you are sick. So if you're feeling under the weather, what are the best ways to find relief and comfort so that you can rest, so you can ultimately find your way back to health? That's where we're going today. So we're ultimately going to review a couple new holiday movies. We're going to talk some MLB, talk how free agency works, how that affects all the moves of your favorite players and teams and what people are talking about right now during the offseason. So a little peace love and baseball. You know, I got you. (sighs) All right. All right. So how do you find any kind of peace when you are in the throes of a terrible cold or virus this cold flu COVID season? Now, our disclaimer here, of course, is that I am not a doctor. I am not a doctor, nor a supervillain, but just a person who likes to share what has worked for me in the hopes that it might help somebody else. I'm also someone that has a really hard time doing nothing, especially when I feel terrible and I'm looking for any kind of relief. The most frustrating thing to me, like as a person, (laughs) is feeling that I can't help myself in any situation. So I take a lot of comfort in all of the ways that I can find to actually help myself and therein help others. So, okay, let's start here. I'm going to start with a little more of an extreme symptom, at least in my opinion anyway, and that is when uh, my husband lost his appetite. I was obviously very concerned with how to keep him nourished so that his body could fight off illness and he didn't get too weak or dehydrated, all the things. 
He also normally eats super consistently. So this was a big sign to me that that he was really sick. Like things were not right. So for four days, the two things that I was able to comfortably get him to consume that kept him nourished and functioning and ultimately aided in his recovery were a soup broth with a flavorless dissolvable protein supplement and then smoothies with protein powder. Now, any soup broth will totally work, but since he was really sick for multiple days before I got sick, I ended up finding a pho recipe that is spelled P-H-O, pho. It is a Vietnamese soup dish with broth, rice noodles, herbs, and meat. There's all kinds of different recipes for it, uh, but the base that you're going to find for most recipes is pretty similar. And I found a recipe that I made in our Instant Pot. Shout out Instant Pot. And it was amazing. It was pretty easy too. I'm, I'm not a very good cook by any means, but I am good at following directions. So I'm going to link this pho recipe in the show notes so that you can check it out. Because in all seriousness, I have eaten this for approximately 85% of my meals in the last 10 days. No joke. The broth was perfect when Dan was not feeling up to eating solid food. And then the protein supplement that was really clutch that I mixed into this broth, it is called Vital Proteins. So it's a collagen-based protein. And there's tons of stuff like this out there these days. But the thing that I really love about Vital Proteins is that first of all, it is genuinely and truly flavorless. Like you cannot taste it. And it dissolves really well, mostly in hot liquid, better in hot liquid than like room temp or cold. But you can't even tell that anything has been added if you add it to a cup of hot water or hot broth, um, soup broth, tea, coffee. I've even put it in like my oatmeal before. You can use it in baking, anything like that. It's going to be a great way to uh, get you a little extra protein and all those good collagen benefits too. So it comes in many forms, but it's a great product. And as Dan regained his appetite, then he added, you know, the noodles and the chicken and ultimately some of the other toppings for the pho. And then it just became like an overall great comfort food. It's got a little bit of spice in there, depending on how you want to make it. So, you know, it helps clear the sinuses out a little bit too. It's delicious. It's simple. It's healthy, yet super flavorful and filling. Love it. Smoothies were the other thing that kept him going. Now, your girl loves a good smoothie. I have a smoothie every morning, and I love my Ninja brand food processor and blender. A great practical luxury gift, by the way. So I use that with just some frozen spinach, a banana, and chocolate protein powder. That's it. We use plant-based protein powders. So in this case, uh, we use the chocolate orgain. Thanks, Costco. Oh, and you can also get the vital proteins at Costco. But anyway, yeah, that's it. Add a little almond or oat milk in there with your frozen spinach, your banana, your protein powder of choice, and bam, you've got yourself a high quality smoothie. One frozen item paired with the banana is is really the key for the consistency, which is, in my opinion, a big part of what makes for a great smoothie. So the consistency of the smoothie also comes out better if you use um, like the smoothie cup, if you have the Ninja food processor blender thing. It's a, it's a pretty popular item. You might have it. So if you're using that, I make it in the smoothie cup as opposed to like the big blender piece because the consistency is really a lot better if you make it in the thing that's basically meant for making individual smoothies. So check it out. Pro tip from someone who cares way too much about their morning smoothie. The point is, Dan really enjoyed the smoothie even when he wasn't feeling up to eating because it was simple yet nutritious, and it felt really good on a sore and swollen throat. So there you have it. Best ways to stay well-nourished if you lose your appetite while you're sick. 
the protein supplements really are the key there. Number two, my second wreck for you here, Theraflu. Okay, so obviously there's a lot of medication you can take from pain relievers to decongestants, cough suppressants, etc. The one thing I will say is that these medicines that have typically provided relief for me in the past from colds and other stuff, it didn't really seem to help like at all with my severe COVID congestion, my sore throat, or honestly, even with my fever. It was weird. So eventually Sudafed helped with my sinus congestion. But the one medicine I really appreciate and want to give a specific shout out to here is Theraflu, the dissolvable, drinkable Theraflu, to be specific, because they do have some other like Theraflu brand bottled liquid medicine you can take too. Never tried that. So we're not talking about that here. There is just something that is so comforting about drinking a hot liquid when you're sick. And now you're drinking a hot liquid that is literally medicine. They have all different kinds. So of course, make sure it's got the meds in it that you want based on your symptoms and you know, you're not taking it with the wrong thing and all that good stuff. Not a doctor not a doctor. But they have some different flavors too, I think. The classic honey lemon flavor just really warms the soul. It makes the medicine go down. So there you go. That's my second recommendation. Have some Theraflu in the medicine cabinet. Third on our little wellness list here. Now this one might be kind of counterintuitive, but Epsom salt baths can actually help relax muscles and relieve body aches associated with colds and the flu. They can also help dilate blood vessels, which increases white blood cell production to help speed your recovery. Now, I love a good Epsom salt bath uh, anytime because I am an 80-year-old woman, but man, it was really one of the only things They gave me any kind of relief from the chills and the body aches that I had with my fever. The perfect way to top off an Epsom salt bath is to follow it up with a shower using some Vicks shower steamers. Ugh, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Those shower tablets that have the Vicks vapors in them? Oh, man. Mm, It's the best when you're feeling under the weather. Hit the showers. So speaking of like menthol and scents and all that good stuff, number four, I mentioned that I was really having trouble getting relief for my congestion with the medicines that typically do work for me. But one thing that did help and that I use for my allergies and sinuses regularly as well is peppermint oil. Now I have the doTERRA brand peppermint oil. I would say that it's worth it because This brand has the highest level of purity of the actual oil. Now, here, I don't know a lot about essential oils. I'm not here to sell you on doTERRA or have you join my MLM. Like, I really have no idea. I just, I bought a few of them for myself a couple of times. But what I do know is that there there are not a lot of regulations on essential oils. So, You can get a peppermint oil and it can smell like quite a bit different than another peppermint oil. And it ultimately comes down to, I think, how much actual peppermint is in the oil. So like how real is it? (laughs) And the doTERRA oils are strong because they're concentrated and they're more pure than other brands of essential oils from my understanding. But because of this... It's safer, especially if you can like ingest most of their oils. I think really all of them. Don't quote me again. <laughs> Do your own research. <laughs> but um, it's it lasts forever too because it's so concentrated. So you can dilute like the peppermint oil with coconut oil and that makes it easier to apply too. I quite literally apply mine like directly onto my face. Like I put it on my sinuses, on or around my nose to help with my congestion. Um, doTERRA also sells a line of breathe products so this is a proprietary respiratory blend that they make 
And it's great for this kind of relief. Smells great. Gives you all the good feels. Honestly, I have found myself using the straight up peppermint most often these days because it just gets the job done so I can breathe through my damn nose. I also mentioned coconut oil being used to dilute the peppermint oil and use it to apply it. And by coconut oil, I do mean straight off the shelf at the old supermarket, out of the jar, coconut oil, nothing fancy, like it is what it is. But honestly, the coconut oil in itself is its own miracle. I have blown my nose roughly 1,100 times in the past week. And uh, I think we all know what happens. Yeah, you know it. You get that stingy, dry skin under and around your nose. And you look like a not-so-cute Rudolph. And it's yet another thing that just sucks about being sick. And it makes you uncomfy and cranky. So lather up that shiny nose with some coconut oil, baby. It is going to reduce the inflammation. It's going to keep you moisturized. And it's going to help you heal. Boom. Ah, okay. All right, those are my best recs for you this sick season. So hopefully that'll provide you a little comfort in those dark days. Stock up. So you know... What else helps when you're feeling under the weather? Oh, yeah. Cheesy holiday movies. You know you love it. They're terrible and we love them. Mm. Well, they're not all terrible and, you know, we love those even more. But with all of the streaming services these days, there is more than ever to consume this holiday season. But, you know, I did have a chance as I was basically laying around for a week straight and doing absolutely nothing to watch a couple of the most anticipated and talked about new holiday movies this year. So I'm happy to give you my thoughts to help you, you know, navigate your holiday viewing this year. The first new holiday movie that I watched was on Netflix. It was starring Miss Lindsay Lohan herself, and it is very fittingly and painfully, obviously titled, Falling for Christmas. Now, there are no spoilers, no spoilers here in these reviews, so don't worry, I will not give anything away. But the IMDb description of this flick tells us, In the days leading up to Christmas, a young and newly engaged heiress experiences a skiing accident. After being diagnosed with amnesia, she finds herself in the care of a handsome lodge owner and his daughter. Do you, uh, do you think you might know how this story goes? (laughs) Yeah, you do. Uh, you know how the story goes. Mm -hmm. Trust those Hallmark Instincts holiday babies. You know. There is really no other description for me to give you because it is kind of just that simple. (laughs) Now, of course, I was going to watch Falling for Christmas because I grew up with Lindsay Lohan. I am rooting for her. My sister and I were talking about that clearly being the reason that we chose to watch the movie in the first place. And it's true. Lindsay, she's really got something, though. She's very talented And it's great to see her back on the big small screen, looking healthy and vibrant, and bringing the cheesy, joy-filled romance that we all hate to admit we love into our living rooms this holiday season. It's cute. It's really cute. It's incredibly predictable, but it's also quite endearing. And it's a fun watch for the whole family. Falling for Christmas. Lindsay, you go, girl. So over on Apple TV Plus, the holiday buzz is all about the new Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds movie titled Spirited. This is a modern musical comedy take on the classic Charles Dickens story of A Christmas Carol of, you know, like the ghosts of Christmas past and present and future. Now, I had listeners who really wanted my opinion on this, like my mom So, hi, Mom. Uh, But here's the thing about me and movie musicals. Now, I'm a musical theater performer. 
in one of our previous episodes, I did some little rant on actors who are not singers being in musicals. I clearly have some specific feelings on this given my background, and I recognize that it can be specific to me and to my background and my appreciation for live performance, singers who are also actors, actors who are also singers, you get it. Perception is everything. And this is mine. Now, overall, I really enjoyed Spirited. I liked it more than I thought I would, especially given what I had heard about it. But I also love Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds and Octavia Spencer, who is the female lead in this movie. I mean, really, how can you not? They are mega talents. They are bound to bring something great to everything that they work on. So let me start with the things that I most enjoyed about Spirited. Here's what I liked. Overall, the concept and the storyline are very creative and clever. The whole premise of the world that the story takes place in is very creative, and I was entertained right away by that in itself. The story follows the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future in the afterlife, and in the first scene, it is proclaimed simply that the afterlife is a musical. I am here for it. I am here for that. Love that idea. Sign me up. I have also always enjoyed the work of Pasek and Paul. These are the songwriters for the film. You may know them uh, for their work most recently on The Greatest Showman, the movie that Hugh Jackman did. Ugh, love all the music from that. And Dear Evan Hansen, which is their most recent and probably most popular of their Broadway musicals that they've written. So I knew that we were likely in for some good tunes with that duo, and that did not disappoint. The production value of this movie is insane. Uh, this movie obviously has a huge budget, spared no expense, and it is visually stunning. Likewise, the choreography is bomb, and it is super impressive throughout the entire story. It really adds to it. Speaking of which, there's a song that was cut from the movie that plays during the credits of the movie. The song is called Ripple. You really must stick around and watch this song, the performance of this song during the credits. It might be the best song. It's kind of crazy that it was cut, but it is such a fun watch at the end of the film. So don't miss that. Ultimately, the story has a great message. And it is at the end of the day, it's about friendship. It is about how the impact of caring for others can impact the world. That is a mic drop of a message. It cannot be heard loud enough. I love it. The whole storyline and the take on A Christmas Carol is also very modern and cultured without trying hard to be. So that was just another piece about it that I appreciated. So what are the things that I, I didn't like about it? What are the, you know, critiques that I might have about Spirited? Well, okay, I have two major critiques on the movie that have nothing to do with my personal bias of actors who are not necessarily singers. So stick with me here. First of all, the movie is immediately not family friendly. I know, right? It's so it's rated PG-13. And I would definitely agree with that. Like, personally, I would not want my kid watching that if they were younger than 13. Mostly the reason that I mention this as a critique against the movie is that it could have been family friendly with a few adjustments that I really don't think would have taken away from the humor or the storyline at all. It's a holiday movie with a great message on a huge platform that isn't family friendly? What? It's it's just disappointing, I guess. Like, even half the songs in the soundtrack are explicit if you look it up on Spotify. And for what? Along these same lines, there's one point of a particularly heavy subject matter in the storyline of the movie that, in my opinion, 
it's just not effective enough for the trigger warning that should really go along with it being part of the subject matter of the movie. It just could have easily gone with a a different angle there. So overall, the things that make it PG-13 do not add anything to it. It only takes away the ability for you to comfortably enjoy it with the whole fam. Bummer, you know? Okay, the other thing that was super noticeable to me is that this is not an ensemble movie. And I mean that in the sense that it very heavily features two, maybe three characters, but really the Will Ferrell and the Ryan Reynolds characters. It's What's really strange about it is that there were writing choices that were made to so heavily feature specifically like Will Ferrell's character. Now, I love Will Ferrell. I think he is incredibly brilliant. I'd watch him in anything. But he still would have been the star of this movie while also featuring a couple other characters more. I personally felt like his role was so heavily featured and then that the ghost of Christmas past and future were underused and underwhelming roles. And I just would have really loved to see those characters like more developed and more a part of the story. It felt like they were written out of parts of the story to get Will Ferrell's character, the ghost of Christmas present, more screen time. That's just what it felt like to me. Like it seemed noticeable that this was a writing choice that took me out of the story. Plus the story starts out as if these two characters, like the ghost of Christmas past and future, are going to be important. And they really should be, but really they're barely in the movie. So that was my other take for you. Besides that, well, you know, the only thing I really have to say is that I have my list of Broadway caliber performers who I would have preferred to see in this movie. Again, I adore these actors. I think they are wildly talented and acclaimed for a reason. But I have a great appreciation for those who can both act and sing at a certain level. Example, Hugh Jackman, great example of this. He is someone who is both a mega movie star, but he's also a Broadway star. That's why he was so good in The Greatest Showman. So let me start by explaining that there are world-renowned vocal coaches who are brought in to work with these celebrities when they decide that they're going to sing in a movie like this. So there's also the help of like all these things like auto-tune and that stuff too, of course. But there are these vocal coaches to name the two big ones that worked on this movie and work with actors in pretty much every musical movie musical you can look up. Liz Kaplan and Eric Vitro. They worked with the three leads in this film to basically try to teach them to sing and get the best out of them for these pieces that were written for them. So look them up. Their work is really fascinating and they work with all of the biggest pop stars, everyone. The songs are also written in the most ideal key for these specific people that have been cast to play these roles. So the point is they really have all the potential resources that they could possibly have to make them sound as good as they possibly can. And they still just fall incredibly short of someone who is just actually a singer. (laughs) And that's my beef. Example. Riddle me this. They wouldn't let Ryan Reynolds be the starting shortstop for a major league baseball team just because people would pay to come see Ryan Reynolds play baseball. Am I right? That's just the perspective that I look at it from when I get on this high horse that I'm on up here. So, you know, I got to tell you who I would like to see in these roles, right? Because they could both act and sing the hell out of them. Right. So in the Ghost of Christmas Present role, it came to me whilst listening to the 11 o'clock number of the movie. It is called Unredeemable. Oh, Pasek and Paul, 
killed it. It is a killer 11 o'clock number. The direction, the choreography is amazing. And if you're me, the less than stellar vocals are the only thing keeping it from being everything you want it to be. Now, he doesn't sound bad. No. First of all, technology can make him sound good. And even so, he's not a terrible singer. I'm sure Ryan Reynolds might even be a decent at our little backyard softball game. But again, if you heard an actor-singer like Norbert Leo Butts sing this song, it would just blow you out of the water. And you would just never want to hear Will Ferrell sing it again. You know Norbert Leo, too. He is star of both stage and screen. He's originated a number of big roles on Broadway. He was Fiero in Wicked. So if you've ever heard Dancing Through Life from Wicked, that's him. He was Freddy in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. He was Carl Hanratty, the Tom Hanks role in Catch Me If You Can on Broadway. And you would know him from all kinds of stuff on TV. Most recently, he played Kevin Rayburn in the Netflix series Bloodline, which is a really big role. He was awesome on that show. If you haven't watched Bloodline, check it. And he was Conrad's dad in the very recent Hulu series, The Girl from Plainfield. He's just, he's incredibly talented. He's really funny, actor, excellent singer. Now, I understand that there are millions of people who will watch this movie because Will Ferrell is in it, okay? I get it. I'm not suggesting that I don't understand why they can't just cast Norbert Leo Butts instead of Will Ferrell. So trust me. The entertainment industry is weird. There are so many very ridiculously talented people whose names we will never know. That's another episode from another day. So I guess maybe maybe this is who I would cast in the stage adaptation of this movie. Continuing on then, for the Ryan Reynolds character, Gimme Andrew Reynolds. So he's most known for originating the lead role in the Broadway musical, The Book of Mormon. You might have heard of that. He's also done a lot of television shows. He was on many episodes, multiple seasons of Girls on HBO. He was on The New Normal sitcom on NBC. Oh, and on our podcast recommended TV show, Girls 5 Eva. He is so funny on that show. Superstar singer comedic actor and dancer. And lastly, okay, lastly, before I step off of my very spirited soapbox, Octavia Spencer is an incredible film actor. I have all the respect for her in the world, but damn, where was Audra McDonald? Or like even Queen Latifah for this role. If you do not know who Audra McDonald is, yes, you do. So go watch YouTube videos of this goddess among us right now. I, I have no words. Okay. 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 Let me know where I can collect my casting director check for Spirited on Broadway. Mm. Let's get to some baseball, shall we? Last but not least this week, I thought we'd give a brief overview, maybe a little crash course, if you will, in Major League Baseball Free agency. It's like the hot topic, that phrase you're hearing all over the place. And even if you've been a baseball fan for a long time, you may actually have no idea how it works or what it even is. And a lot of times, I know we'll see in our online communities, people speculating on trades or signings or things. And you're like, oh, it's so stupid. Like, you're not even thinking about this and this and this. But there's like 22 different parts to all these different contracts and all these rules and regulations and the way that all of this works. And many of us, like, why would you know how it works unless you take it upon yourself to figure out how it works? So here you are. Welcome in. Peace, love, and baseball. How does free agency work? Now you're going to know because we're going to talk about it. What does it mean? What is free agency? Well, it means that the player is a, is a free agent. Yeah, they are free to sign with whichever team they want. 
they can engage in negotiations with the teams that are interested in them and they can sign contracts according to their market value. A player can test out their market value and try to negotiate with other teams and then still decide to come back to the team that they previously played for too. So just because a player is a free agent or even if the player has like an opt-out, their opt-out of their contract, they might actually choose to opt-out. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't still return to the same team. Aaron Judge is a good example of this right now. He is clearly meeting and negotiating and entertaining other teams, playing the field, but that certainly doesn't mean that he's not going to return to the Yankees. So we'll see. At this point, they are in a bidding war for him as much as any other team. This can be kind of confusing because what it makes a free agent different than when you're not a free agent. Like, how do players become free agents? Well, a player becomes a free agent after reaching six years of service in Major League Baseball. So it's kind of like other jobs where you reach so many years of service and you accrue new or better benefits as you've worked for the company for longer, right? It's to reward years of service, longevity, your investment in the job, all that good stuff. So same thing here. When a player reaches six years of service, they have a lot more freedom and control over not only what team they can play for, but how much money they get paid and the other stipulations of their contract. It also happens if the player's contract extension expires. So say it's some player who's played for 10 years and they were on a four-year contract after their six years, initial years of service, their four-year contract has expired. In that case, the player is now a free agent yet again. So it's not always just those like first-time free agents. It can also happen if a team waives a player. So in that case, if they're waived by the team, released from the team, the player is actually entitled to salary compensation depending on like how and when they are released by the team. So different set of stipulations there too. Oof. If a player is released from a team and then they sign with another team before they have reached their six years of service, so they were technically a free agent because they were released before they meet their six years of service, now that new team is in control of the player's contract until he reaches the six years of service. So basically once you sign again, you're like immediately not a free agent again. Sure. Oh, man, I'm already a little confused. Let me make sure I'm, I'm making sense here. So yeah, so up until that point, their first six years of service, players are considered under club or team control. That's what I'm talking about here. You hear that term a lot, particularly when like trades and trade value are being discussed. So it's a big factor when determining what kind of contract you are inheriting from a trade and how long a team will have control of the player's current contract. Players are more economical for teams in their first six years of service. So before they reach free agency, that's where the young players who are big talents, i.e. Juan Soto, are so high in trade value. So Soto will become a free agent for the 2025 season. So he's still under team control for the next couple of seasons, and there is value in that itself when he was traded this past year, and if the Padres were to trade him again. The other thing that happens here is that some players are eligible to sign qualifying offers once they hit free agency. What is a qualifying offer? A qualifying offer is a one-year offer that is valued at the mean salary, so like the average salary of the 125 highest paid players. So for 2023, the qualifying offer is valued at $19.65 million. Now, the players who are eligible to receive these qualifying offers, they can either accept or reject the offer. And while some of them accept, most players actually reject this qualifying offer in search of a longer 
or and or a more profitable contract. Really, <laughs> in in life and everything, guaranteed money is more valuable than say just any one large sum of money. So if you have a guaranteed contract, you would negotiate, you know, more years for less money per year because ultimately it's going to be more guaranteed money, more years of guaranteed money, all that good stuff. So that one year, even though it might be like at a higher price point, it's one year. And if you don't have a great year, the offer for you next year is going to look, you know, different depending on that. If you're hot, you go get that money while you're hot, you get some guaranteed money. And that guaranteed money is often the name of the game. Though I will say that it seems to be getting harder to come by in today's game. So if a player rejects a qualifying offer and they sign elsewhere, their new team must give up at least one draft pick. Sometimes they have to give up other things too. But then the team that they did not take the qualifying offer from, so their former team, is going to get a draft pick in return. So that kind of protects the team and gives them back some opportunity on a lost investment in that free agent. All of that good stuff is negotiated in that good old collective bargaining agreement by the players union and the owners, CBA. So how much do free agents make, you ask? Well, that all depends on the player's time of service, contributions, and really just how much money a team is ultimately willing to pay them. There is a very wide range. Uh, The league minimum salary is $700,000 for a season. Uh, But the highest paid player in 2022 was our guy Max Scherzer at $43.3 million. So quite the range there. I believe the average salary for a Major League Baseball player in the 2022 season was $4.14 million. So that kind of gives you an idea of the percentage of people who are making money like Max Scherzer versus everyone else. Yeah, so free agency signings can happen at any time during the offseason. Uh, they can begins five days after the World Series ends. So we'll see. It has been a few weeks now, post-World Series. There has not been a ton of big news amongst free agent signings so far. Edwin Diaz, who is the superstar closer for the Mets, is staying with the Mets. Likewise, Anthony Rizzo is staying with the Yankees. Clayton Kershaw staying with the Dodgers. We did see Mike Clevenger, starting pitcher for the Padres. He signed a one-year deal with the Chicago White Sox. Welcome to Chicago, Mike. Other than that, there is a laundry list of free agents that the eyes are on to see where they're going to sign this offseason. I was going to list some, but honestly, there are so many. And the point is to just get a general understanding here of how MLB contracts work pre and post free agency to see that there's a lot at play when considering a trade or free agent signing in terms of the player's current status in the system, right? The current contract that they're on and so on. So there's your little crash course in free agency, friends. I'm hoping we get some more action that will be fun to discuss along with the winter meetings that are going to start this weekend. What are the winter meetings? What happens at winter meetings? Well, this is the annual four-day event where league executives, team owners, uh, general managers, presidents, team scouts, everybody from the MLB teams and all of their minor league affiliates, I believe there's 120 minor league affiliates, they all get together to discuss business matters, you know, they work out trades, off-season transactions. So this is when things really tend to heat up when we get all these people in the same place and off-season really gets going. We're going to see some more signings, hopefully some interesting moves happening. And on the last day of the winter meetings is also when the Rule 5 draft is held. This is not to be confused with the Rule 4 draft. 
So the Rule 4 draft happens along uh, with the All-Star break in July. This is where the teams select high school and college players. But the Rule 5 draft, which is going to happen on the last day of the winter meetings next week, this allows teams to select and sign minor league players who are not on their Major League Baseball affiliates 40-man roster. So you hear that 40-man roster term a lot too whenever they sign somebody or they release somebody or whatever. They'll say like the roster stands at 37. And what will happen leading up to this draft is they'll make sure that that roster, they've got everybody on that roster that they, they want to make sure cannot be selected in this draft by another team. The purpose of the draft is to prevent teams from stockpiling too many young players who would have major league playing time with other teams because that certainly happens, right, of where, you know, one team's farm system is loaded. And, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, and we'll continue to see it just because of the nature of the sport and the amount of teams is there are players who are, you know, bench players or even, you know, up and down from AAA all season for for one organization that are going to be starting everyday players in another organization. So it just even things out, gives more opportunity and all that good stuff too. Uh, the teams with the worst records from the previous season get to pick first in this draft. So this is where you might hear the term uh, – tanking where teams of being being accused of tanking if they are not going to win their division so to increase their chances of having better picks in these drafts because they get to pick earlier on if they lose more that's where tanking comes from the expanded playoffs were also put into play to like help avoid that too among other things, of course. So yeah, we'll keep an eye and an ear out on the winter meetings. We'll see when that stove gets hot. It is only a matter of time. Until then, I want you to stay healthy and take good care of yourself and your loved ones as we are all passing these lovely viruses around. Hey, spread some holiday love and watch Lindsay Lohan and Will Ferrell's new Christmas movies. They're now streaming let me know what you think. And hey, you can impress your friends with your new MLB free agent knowledge as you shoot those off-season signing speculations. Kbird Tweets is signing off for today, so I will talk to you next week. It's peace, love, and baseball. 